Hello, everyone. Welcome to Teaching Matters, a podcast produced by WOUB Public Media in Athens, Ohio. I'm your host, Scott Titsworth, Dean of the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Technology is a disrupting force, not only in how we teach, but also in what we teach. From the earliest grade levels through advanced higher education programs, technology has become a vital component across disciplines. Increasingly, schools are emphasizing technology programs to prepare students for careers in fields like analytics, robotics, artificial intelligence, biotechnology, and of course, many others. One such school is the Digital Pioneers Academy, located in the Hillcrest neighborhood of Washington, D.C., which is located near the Lincoln Memorial Cemetery, or for those who understand the district geometry, um, it's just inside the district, but on the other side of the Anacosta River. The principal uh, architect of the Digital Pioneer Academy is Mache Ashton, who is joining us today on the podcast. She has over 20 years of experience teaching and running charter schools. Mache, welcome to Teaching Matters. We're so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having us. I was really excited to learn about the the uh, Pioneer Digital Academy uh, because it, it's apparent from your website. And by the way, for listeners, the website is linked on the text accompanying the podcast. You all are doing great work with students in your in your academy. So I think I'd like for you to start by, you know, you said your personal philosophy um, is to fight for the children to get their best education possible. How does the Digital Pioneers Academy help you accomplish that with your students? Sure. Uh, again, Scott, thank you for having us. Um, I uh, I do believe that every child, regardless of where they live, their zip code, should have access to the best education possible. But I, you know, am very passionate for the students and families who have the least amount of resources that they too also need to have uh, access to a quality education. Uh, and at Digital Pioneers Academy. We're um, just committed to developing the next generation of innovators. And as you mentioned, that does include a focus on computer science. We are the first computer science focused middle school in all of Washington, DC. And we really um, came to this by just one simple data point, which said that there are 1 million high paying, high demand jobs that are gonna go unfilled. And when we thought about our students and families in Southeast Washington, D.C., but in many uh, communities across the country, one thing that I know is that our families want and need college prep schools, uh, but they also want their children to have access to jobs. And so when I saw the, the demand for one million high paying, high demand jobs, I thought, well, geez, we clearly have the talent in Southeast Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. How do we close that gap? And that's really what we're trying to do is just close the gap both educationally and um, for opportunities. It, it probably deserves uh, mention uh, for listeners who are not you know, familiar with D.C. If you could describe the clientele that you're serving in your school um, and the neighborhood, that would be helpful, I think. Sure. Um, Southeast Wash- Most of our school- students are from um, Southeast Washington, D.C. For those locally, that's students in wards seven and eight. Um, 96% of our students come from students in, uh, from wards seven and eight. And essentially means they're just the, the most under-resourced communities in that almost 95% of our students are eligible for free and reduced lunch. Almost 65% of our scholars um, meet the local standard for at-risk. Uh, and what that really means is that they're just at risk of not reaching their full potential. Right. Uh, we have over 243 scholars, uh, about 126 graders and 123 seventh graders. 
And our incoming proficiency rate is less than 20% of our scholars are on track when, we, when they arrive to us at sixth grade for college and career success. And so while the, the need is and the challenges are, are, are very real, um, we just believe that with hard work and believing you can and having an amazing teaching staff, that it actually can be done. So um, when did your school open? Sure. We are in our second year. So mm-hmm. we opened uh, fall of uh, the school year 2018-19. Uh-huh. This is our second year. We started with sixth grade. Uh, now we're sixth and seventh grade. And we aspire to be a full six through 12. And we're growing a grade each year. Oh, that's great. Um, so I want to I want to turn to talking about um, the pedagogy that you're using in the school. So as I was reviewing uh, your website and some of the um, articles that have been written about you and 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 DPA, it's clear that you have, as you said, a focus on computer science as as a backdrop to what students are exposed to. It appeared to me, but I don't want to put words in your mouth, that you also focus that computer science education around sort of a problem based curriculum. Am I accurate in describing that, um, or could you elaborate more on sort of how you, you know, do things uh, with the students for them to get experiences in, in computer science? Sure. Well, I think that that is accurate. We believe um, at Digital Pioneers Academy that all scholars should have computer science. Uh, and But for us, computer science is really about two things. It's one, uh, really having the technical skills of a computer scientist. So our scholars are coding, they're creating websites and apps and games. But our secondary approach is really around the computational thinking skills that computer scientists have. And that is problem solving, creating, Mm -hmm. um, being able to communicate effectively, reading complex texts and make connections. That's what next generation of innovators do. And so for us, it really is about how do we prepare our scholars to be creators in the digital economy and not Mm -hmm. just consumers. So yes, our scholars take 55 minutes of computer science every single day, just Mm -hmm. like they take math and reading. Um, But in our reading and in our math, we really, we have adopted curriculum that really does um, align with this problem solving approach. Mm -hmm. Uh, And look, we're very early and this work is really, really hard, but we have uh, seen best practices and models across the country and we know it can be done. So what looks different here is that you'll go into a math class and should see a rich discussion about math. Just like in ELA, our scholars are talking about text. Right now, our scholars are talking about the book Hatchet. Last year, mm-hmm. they talked about Steve Jobs. And it's a conversation. It's not the kind of drill and kill. It really is asking them to think critically about text and solve problems and understand the connections. And we think that's what's going to prepare not just our scholars. We think this shift is what all scholars in D.C. and across the country really need to um, be able to be exposed to. As, as I was thinking about um, your curriculum and you're focusing on computer technology, you know, in, in our college, we, we do the same thing because of where digital media and digital communications at. And one of the challenges we have is that the technology changes at a pace now that is really hard for a public university to keep up with. What are some strategies that you all are using to, you know, teach your scholars at a level that's age appropriate, but then also keeping up with technology as it changes so so quickly? 
Yeah, it's a it's a really great question. And and one thing I don't pretend to be is a curriculum expert. Like we <laughs> know how to create a known love respected community and we're focused on recruiting the best teachers. Mm-hmm. But keeping up with the pace of technology is is incredible. And so what we what we really emphasize is the skills. Mm-hmm. And so um, a lot of folks will say, well, which code are you teaching your scholars to master? Whether, whether it's HTML or Java, we're like by the time our kids graduate from high school, there's going to be a whole <laughs> new language that they may yeah. have been a part of creating. So we're not really focused on just a specific language or a specific skill. We are really focused on the transferable skills. Mm-hmm. And that's why this connection to problem solving is one that really transcends whether it's a language, it's a design. And the other thing that I think is really important, I, I just talked to one of my scholars and said, like, why computer science here? Like, what does this mean for you? And I'm always reminded, like, they want computer science and these computational thinking skills to empower and inspire them to do what they want to do, mm-hmm. not what we want them to do. And so by by giving them these skills, they can be in entertainment, in sports, in technology. It really does um, transfer across whatever their passion uh, and what they're excited in. And so getting kind of locked into one specific technology or one specific language is not really I don't think that's actually going to prepare kids to be the next generation of innovators. I totally agree with you. I, on a much smaller scale than you, I direct a coding camp for middle school girls um, here at Ohio University in the summer. So it's like a you nice. know a four day camp. Most of our our students um, that that attend that camp are going to be from rural Appalachian schools. Um, so. You know, there's going to be some similarities, but but different from what from the, stu- the the scholars that you're serving. But to to the point that you just made, our camp philosophy is exactly the same thing. That the the fundamental aspects of problem solving, logical thinking that you do when you're coding in any environment is what's important, <laughs> and and knowing how, why you want to code. We also emphasize that too. I think that's so important for students to understand that code is a tool that you do things with. And that question of what you want to do is more important than how you're going to do it in some cases. So Exactly. Well, even the experience of, of ha- running into a problem, you know, sit with one of our sixth graders when they first have encountered their first glitch in a code. <laughs> and you can see like the total frustration and like, I, whatever, I'm just going to give up. Uh, and then, you know, fast forward six weeks later, you see them like just persisting through and trying different things. And we talk about failing forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, at DBA, we talk a lot about failure and difficulty is just feedback and an opportunity to grow. And so you see that literally just in four to six weeks where a kid who's like, no, I want to just get it right and fail and fail and fail. And then six weeks later, like being totally okay with failing and like what mm-hmm. bigger lesson in life is like failure is just an opportunity to grow and not an opportunity to give up. Uh, again, like that's what problem solving and computer science offers our scholars. Yeah, I so agree. So uh, the other thing that I noticed when I was reviewing um, information about um Digital Pioneers Academy is that you do have a very intentional value system, and you've already kind of alluded to that, uh, that underpins the philosophy of your school. Can you can you talk about some of your values? And, and then the question that I actually want you to get to is, what are the type of faculty that you think are successful for your school to not only sustain the values that you have, but then also to integrate, you know, this idea of the computer science element? 
Sure. Um, so our values, we call them our I grow values. It's innovation, integrity, growth, results, optimism, and empathy. Uh, and what our, our, our amazing staff that we're in our second year, um, many, we have a range. We have some first year teachers. We have teachers who are in their fourth to fifth year. We even have teachers who are in their 15th to 16th year. So it really is a range. Um, we have a, a, an extremely diverse staff. Uh, and with that, what our staff says is that, you know, they've never been a part of an organization where the values are lived every single day. They're not just posted on the wall. Mm -hmm. um, we really do believe that our values are going to be the thing that makes us different, but actually allows us to achieve the mission that we've outlined. Uh, one part, of, one of our huge values is optimism. Mm. Uh, it's just being, we bring positive joy and energy, um, and create the joy of learning. Um, but like, okay, that sounds great, but what does that look like? It mm. looks like when you have failure and difficulty, we look for the bright spots. Um, but also part of optimism is facing the brutal facts. And the facts are that for many of our scholars, they are significantly below grade level. They have so many challenges that are outside of even, you know, their control that could mm -hmm. potentially limit them from reaching their full potential. But we acknowledge the brutal facts, but allow that to never let us lower the bar. So mm -hmm. we keep the expectations high, uh, and which looks like high empathy, high uh, expectations. And again, that those are the, the values that guide us. And so when a scholar is tired or is hungry, we say, okay, great, here's a neutral game bar, but you still have to do the work. You know, we're not going to say, oh, you're hungry. So then you don't have to do your work today. No, our value is like, bring the positive energy, bring the joy, keep the expectations high. Um, but but also demonstrate the empathy because if Pascal, you know, we know when you're hungry, it makes it very hard to focus and to yeah. do your work. So uh, it's the simple stories like that that I think make the difference here at DPA. Well, those stories are important because, you know, I will say that once students get to higher education, those those issues are still with them. And I think that we all have to have empathy about where students are coming from, very different standpoints from one student to the next, but there's still an underlying vulnerability, but as you said, also optimism. And, you know, what I find with our students is that we're trying to balance that, you know, understanding the stressors that they have that follows them around and, and pops up out of nowhere, but then also through empathy, having um, optimism for what it is that they're trying to accomplish while they're here. I totally get what you're saying. And I think educators as a whole, we have that's, that's part of what brings us to the calling of, of working with students in many respects. What, what are some other stories that's happened in the two years um, or now, 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 what, about a year and a half almost that, that you've been in operation that you're starting to see signs of what you're doing is taking hold? Gosh, so so many many stories. I, I think I mean I wish you could just talk to our scholars, and it, mm -hmm. it actually resonates with me what you just said about this, your students, which is our scholars also know our values, uh, and they use the values to guide them in terms of how they interact with their peers, with their family, uh, with with the staff here, and so. I think you know one of the successes is really our our students and our families also adopting our values and, mm -hmm. and using the values to really literally be the guide whether they're with us or without us. So that's really um, mm -hmm. amazing to hear and see. I have 
one of my uh, favorite scholars, she says, I, I just love optimism because I hate math. <laughs> uh, and when optimism teaches me that I just need to push through and find, you know, find the joy in math, even though I hate it. I'm like, okay, well, that's not exactly what we were thinking, but like, if that works for you, um, I think the, the, the most exciting thing is to see an idea around computer science and creating a no love respected community. Uh, and to be, you know, into our second year, we have, as I said, 243 scholars. Uh, we have a wait list of 60 students. Hmm. Uh, we had nine, over 95% of our scholars return going into the second year. Our early results are, are very positive. Um, every one of our scholars grew at least one year uh, and, and after our first year. Um, and many grew uh, even a couple more months beyond that. Uh, we have a 90, I think that this year, 93% attendance rate hmm. um, for our scholars. Uh, and, and that these are all just data points, but uh, many of our scholars, as I mentioned, they have real obstacles. And so like average, average attendance in, in many of the schools that they might attend, whether they're traditional public schools or even charter schools is somewhere in the 80%. Mm -hmm. uh, we're getting 92% of our kids like wanting to come to school, loving mm -hmm. school, and really putting in their best effort. Uh, and with the retention, again, we think we're doing something. We're, we're definitely not there yet, but we feel like we are on our way. And the last thing I'll say is last year, like every single one of our kids loved computer science. Our teachers loved computer science. We like to say that we are like computer science for real, for real. That mm -hmm. our kids who like a, a, any other situation would never even have access and exposure to computer science are really um, taking, taking it on. They love it. Um, everyone created a website. They created games. Um, I literally had a kid last week show me how he he hacked into YouTube and changed the likes of some uh, website. I'm like, okay, I think you're not supposed to do that. But <laughs> it was uh, like he was so excited about like, look, I got this website and I made them have two million likes. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, I don't want to know how to do that. I'm not sure if you're able to do that, but. Like just the excitement and energy and the creativity that uh -huh. I'm seeing in our scholars is really inspiring. Now, at the beginning of the year, you had a setback um, that that uh, I hope that you've recovered from, and you can talk about that if you want. But what what are what, I mean? Starting a school is hard. You know that, and you've been in the business um, and and the calling for a long time. What are some of the challenges that you faced, uh, both in the short term, but then also you know through the process of getting your school started and and up and functioning? Sure. I mean, there are there's so many challenges, and, and I think uh, given that this is a teaching matters uh, podcast, I would just have to recognize that teaching is incredibly hard. Finding great teachers, working with our scholars, whether they're gifted and talented or at risk or mm -hmm. specialized, like it's incredibly hard work, but it is also the most rewarding work I've ever done. And just seeing the bright spots uh, and the success that's happening at my school and at other schools across the city, I just uh, like am just so appreciative of teachers and educators. So that, that's the first thing I have to say. Mm -hmm. um, but we have had some challenges. And uh, just two weeks before the start of our second school year, our school building caught on fire. 
Um, and if you can imagine the kind of uh, phone call at 10 o'clock at night when you're like, no, your building's on fire. I usually, I'm like, no, I know when the kids are there, it's on fire. And we're, we're like, I tell the teachers to teach like their hair is on fire. And they're like, no, no, no. Like literally the school is on fire. Um, and to be honest, we were incredibly lucky because no one was hurt. The mm -hmm. amazing fire team put it out pretty quickly. And we only had one class that was like physically burnt and damaged, but the water and the smoke damage right. um, really was just, um, uh, I, I had not seen anything like that. Um, fortunately, uh, with the amazing team, we were able to pull it all together and our school year only uh, opened one week later. Hmm. And so I am literally standing in the room right now where the fire started. It's fine. We had, again, amazing team that came together. Uh, and my, my biggest reflection that I said to the students and to our scholars and to our families is, hey, this is just difficulty. We're going to grow from this. Yeah. Uh, and that's the optimism that we have to bring because, you know, we, there, there was nothing we could do except mm -hmm. figure out how to push through, how to stay connected to our scholars, how to make sure that everyone, you know, knows that we still exist. Uh, and to this day, it's kind of, for, for many, it's like, oh, yeah, that happened. I'm like, well, I, I have lived every single day since the fire. But for most, we've just pushed through. Um, now we're, again, fully enrolled and have a wait list. So we know we must be doing something right. So because of your focus on uh, computer science and, and, you know, I think many people know that, that in the D.C. area, there's, there's actually a ton of technology businesses, obviously, um, and more coming in all the time. Have you been able to cultivate um, partnerships with industry so that these, this notion of a career path for your scholars um, is sort of front and center for them? Yes, we, we have amazing partnerships um, from whether it's the University of Maryland to Howard University. Last year, our scholars actually went to Google. I think that was one of their favorite field trips. Um, they didn't understand why, like, there was a whole game room and lunch and food at work. They thought that was pretty creative and suggested that we have something like that here uh, at Digital Pioneers Academy. Um, we have had a partnership with Microsoft. We're, we're definitely looking for more opportunities to really expose our scholars to not, you know, we're doing it every single day, but the idea to see how their work um, really can translate into real high paying, high demand jobs is mm -hmm. definitely a part of our mission. And we're definitely looking for more partners and more opportunities for our scholars to see that um, in a very real way. You know, I think that's really important. And um, I'll talk to you after we get done with the podcast about some ways that we could partner. But what we're learning and trying to do from a higher ed perspective, but but trying to do it in partnership with people like you, is I firmly believe that because the economy is changing so rapidly, we have to do more pre-professional socialization with scholars mm -hmm. at your age level so that they get that the pathway to career is there, but it's not a straight line like it was for parents and grandparents, right? It, it, it meanders through these different areas. And that's why our job is both exciting and also challenging because we have to equip them to be able to navigate that. But I think it starts by helping them understand that at an early age. Yes, and particularly for our scholars who are, you know, 100% African American, 100% Latino, when we go to these places, to be honest, they don't see themselves. Mm -hmm. And so 
we've got a we again living our values around optimism we face the brutal facts without lowering the bar we say yep these are the brutal facts but you deserve access to these spaces and places and so let's figure out how you can continue to be the next generation of innovators and we we tell our scholars that they have to channel their two point their version 2.0 which is their version of when they are in college or when they're in these high paying, high demand jobs, mm -hmm. that they have to behave and have the academic habits of a 20 year old, not of a 12 year old. Sometimes hmm. they remember that, sometimes they don't. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I would love to, to learn more. Again, it, it, it is hard work, but it can be done. And I think being creative, um, our, one of our values around innovation is thinking thoughtfully, creatively, and mm -hmm. critically about solving complex problems. And this is a complex problem, as you mentioned, there is no straight path. Like I always wanted to be an educator. That was my life passion. I thought I could just be a principal. Like that was the biggest job. And here I am 20 years later being a principal, not exactly the path that I thought I'd uh, be on. But is pretty, it was a pretty clear path for me. And our scholars have so many opportunities and mm -hmm. it is important for us to expose them at an early, early stage. And I think you're right, right at middle school where, um, where most times the gaps increase, we've got to work incredibly hard around and closing them, but also creating more opportunities. So you're uh, uh, two years in, what what are you going to define for success for um, Digital Pioneers Academy down the road, five years or so? Gosh, well, I've mapped out five, 10, 15, 20 years. <laughs> uh, and so uh, the shortest answer is that we want every single one of our scholars to secure a high paying, high demand job and graduate from four year college or university. And we want to ensure that every single day that they're on the path to do that. Um, we also want to open uh, as many digital pioneer academies as that we possibly can, because we fundamentally believe that more scholars deserve access to a curriculum like computer science, but one that is focused on problem solving. So as we continue to grow and, and continue to experience success, we want to grow our impact. But we also want to figure out how we can just make sure that more teachers, more leaders, more school districts can really introduce computer science as a required part of the curriculum. We just fundamentally believe that it, computer science is the digital literacy of the 21st century. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we are the first computer science middle school focused on it um, seems like uh, there. I think the people just have to have the, the, the awakening experience that I had. I literally read one article and I was like, wait a minute, who's doing something about this? Mm -hmm. So I, I don't have a computer science background. I took one computer science class in college. So that's not really the obstacle. For me, it's about the exposure. So our kids in college, more kids in college, but more kids, particularly kids who have the least resources, um, having access to rigorous computer science course is really just the beginning of what we, we look to achieve. Well, listen, you you all are, it's clear that you're doing great work already, but I, I, I so am excited by the fact that you are focusing on computer science. I, I agree with you. And when we do the camp every summer, um, you know, I, I, I talk to the students that attend the camp and say, look, it doesn't matter what field you want to go into. If you want to go into medicine, if you want to go into the creative arts like communication, if you want to go into business, it doesn't matter. If you know how to code, 
you are going to be a valuable asset to whatever employer hires you. And that's just the that's the future. And so what you all are doing at, at um, Digital Pioneers is so important. And I think you're ahead of a curve. I think every school is going to end up doing something like what you're doing, but you're doing it before they are. And I hope that that really benefits your students. And, and you know, thank you for having the vision for doing that. Well, Scott, again, thank you for sharing, for telling our story and sharing the story of so many other educators. I really uh, appreciate your work. And again, just am thankful for the opportunity and invite anyone to come visit us and share best practices. We don't have all the answers, but we, we are onto something and I hope we can share and learn more from others. That's great, Mache. My guest today was Mache Ashton, CEO, Principal, and Founder of the Digital Pioneers Academy in Washington, D.C. A link to the school's website is available in the text accompanying the podcast. You can visit the site and learn more about the school, uh, and I encourage everyone to do that. It's really great to see um, the pictures of the school, the pictures of her scholars, and the news stories about what her staff and her students are doing. Thank you for listening to Teaching Matters. We are produced by WOUB Public Media. You can always listen at woub.org slash listen. We're also available through several popular podcasting apps. Choose the one that you like, and you will be able to find us. You can contact the staff of the podcast with ideas, questions, or comments through our Facebook page. Just search for Teaching Matters Podcast in Facebook and reach out to us. Our audio engineer and associate producer is Adam Rich. I'm Scott Titsworth. Thank you for listening. Thank you.